The Baltimore Orioles outfield came into the 2022 season as maybe the deepest position group on the roster. And it got even deeper with the addition of Kyle Stowers late in the season. But what kind of role can Stowers find in 2023? And can Ryan McKenna carve out a role next year as well? We'll answer those questions coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to continue our 2022 Orioles player season review series here on the pod. Talking about a couple of outfielders who neither guy was an everyday starter by any means this year, but both players did make an impact for the Orioles this season. That's Kyle Stowers and Ryan McKenna. We'll talk about where they kind of fell in as maybe fourth and fifth outfielders for the Orioles at times this season. And can each of them take a step forward going into 2023 with the Orioles outfield potentially getting even more crowded when we get to spring training. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you could leave a five-star rating and a review, that would be fantastic. And of course, we're right here five days a week, Monday through Friday, on the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to get all your Orioles content again. If Twitter goes down, which is where I'm very active with Locked On Orioles, a lot of that content is going over to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe now so you don't miss out to all of the Orioles off-season coverage. But the Orioles really haven't made any off-season moves yet. Not many teams have. It's usually what happens until we get to the winter meetings in the first week of December. So we can continue to look back on the 2022 season. And we step into a couple of guys who were not starting outfielders for the Orioles. Now, that regular outfield for the O's this year was Austin Hayes in left, Cedric Mullins in center, and Anthony Santander in right. And that was a productive outfield. But we came into this season saying, wow, the Orioles have a lot of outfield options because you talked about those three, and you talked about Ryan McKenna, and you talked about Kyle Stowers going to be here at some point, and there were mentions of, you know, can Yusniel Diaz or Robert Newstrom find their way? into this outfield as well. There were a lot of options. Brett Phillips was in the mix at one point, which is wild. And, of course, we saw Taron Vavra play some games out there. You know, even guys like Trey Mancini, you know, Tyler Nevin was in that mix as well. There were a lot of names for that outfield. And and things got condensed as the year went on. But I wanted to first talk about Kyle Stowers and how the season went for him. Because it was certainly an odd one for his first big league season. Now, It's not going to count as a full first big league season because even though he made his major league debut on June 13th, he still has prospect status this offseason. That's why you still see Kyle Stowers ranked in a lot of Orioles top 10 prospect lists. He still is technically a prospect because he only got 98 big league plate appearances. That's the kind of weird year it was for Kyle Stowers, who, again, despite turning 25 in January, he will still be an Orioles prospect. But How the season went, well, it was kind of an interesting moment for Stowers to make his Major League debut because in mid-June, the Orioles were set to go on a four-game 
road series against the Toronto Blue Jays. It was their first series in Toronto against Toronto at all for the entire season. A little bit of weird scheduling that they didn't go to Toronto the first two months, but alas, they go to Toronto on June 13th. And then we learn, well, the Orioles have two unvaccinated players. And at that point, if you were unvaccinated, you still could not cross the border into Canada and play those games in Toronto. And those two unvaccinated players were Keegan Aiken and Anthony Santander. And because Santander was unvaccinated, he was the Orioles' three-hitter at that point, one of their most productive hitters, and played the outfield, the Orioles needed to call up an outfielder. And because Ryan McKenna was already in the big leagues at that point, was going to get maybe more of a chance, Hayes and Mullins were there as well, even though he was still maybe a prospect who wasn't quite ready, it felt like the easy answer was Kyle Stowers. And that's what happened. Stowers gets called up in Toronto and plays two of the four games in that series. Actually plays that June 13th game, goes one for four, gets a double and an RBI, his first big league hit. Also played in the game two days later, got hit by a pitch, reach base in that game. And then as soon as they left Toronto, Aiken and Santander reinstated to the roster and Kyle Stowers sent back down to AAA. And that's where he sat for another two months until we finally saw the recall of Kyle Stowers. It came on August 19th, a Friday night game at home against the Boston Red Sox. Stowers was added to the roster once again. The Orioles were playing well, but felt they you know, needed a little bit of a spark in that outfield. Stowers was continuing to hit in AAA Norfolk. And here he came. And Stowers goes two for five that night. That crazy, wild win for the Orioles at 15 to 10 victory over the Red Sox that night. Stowers had a couple of hits. But, you know, even though he played in all three games that weekend against Boston, he never really settled in to a full-time spot in the lineup for a while. I mean, basically, for the first month he was in the big leagues, he was in and out of the lineup, playing sparingly, you know, getting some chances to pinch hit, but not starting a lot. And it wasn't really until September 25th, more than a month after he was recalled, that the Orioles finally put him in the lineup every day for those final 10 days of the season. And he, he basically played every day down the stretch. And, and he was good down the stretch. You know, he got 31 plate appearances in those final nine games or so that he played in. And he hit 276. It was a 137 WRC+. Plus. He hit for average, hit for power down the stretch. And it looked good. But between August 19th or and September 25th, and, and this includes the two games in Toronto in June, he had just a 92 WRC plus because he was playing sparingly and just couldn't get in there every day to get those normal reps against big league pitching for the first time in his career. Now, you can talk about, you know, the reasons for that. And Brandon Hyde clearly did not, whether it was Hyde or Mike Elias or a combination, clearly did not want Kyle Stowers to play against left-handers. So that's the reason why he sat a lot. And, you know, there was the other reasoning of, which Brandon Hyde talked about a bit is that the Orioles were surprisingly still in a playoff chase when Stowers got called up, you know, in late August and even in early September. And Hyde wanted to go with his veteran guys over guys like Stowers. So that's why Rugnet Odor played more than Taron Vavra. And that's why, despite bad struggles, we saw Austin Hayes and even guys like, you know, Jesus Aguilar get at-bats over Kyle Stowers in the month of September. And I understood the logic somewhat. Not many of these Orioles players had been in a playoff chase, and that's where they were weren't expecting to be there by the beginning of the season. But you would have liked to see a little more of Stowers and Vavra before the very end when they finally started playing every day. And a lot of people who wanted Stowers in the lineup every day, they cited what he did in AAA against lefties. And it was fair to cite that because Kyle Stowers only got four plate appearances in the big leagues this year against a left-hander. 
He had 94 plate appearances against a righty, four against a lefty, and one came back in June against Toronto. But in AAA, he hit lefties well. In Norfolk this year, Stowers hit 326 in 95 at-bats against left-handers with a 977 OPS. That was better than he hit against righties in AAA. Now, the flip side of the argument is, A, lefties in the big leagues, much, much better than lefties in AAA. If you're a lefty with good stuff, you're not going to be in AAA. You're probably going to be in the big leagues. It's certainly an argument to be made. And it's just different transition to the big league game, and the Orioles still felt like, you know, this guy is going to hit better against righties long-term. Let's put him in a position to succeed, and that's what they felt that they did. Did it hurt the team a little? It might have that Kyle Stowers didn't get a big chance to play pretty much every day because you look by the end of the year what he did in total, and it was 34 games in the big leagues, again, 98 plate appearances. He hits 253 with a 306 on base and a 418 slugging, good for a 107 WRC plus with three home runs on the year. Now, the 30% strikeout rate to just the 5% walk rate, a little bit concerning because he walked a whole lot more in the minors, even though he struck out at, at a pretty similar clip to that. It actually brought it down, though. He was striking out 34% of the time in 2021 in AAA, brought it down to 25% in 2022. It was one of the big reasons he finally got that call up. And, you know, he had 19 homers in AAA this year, had a 130 WRC plus before the call up. So he was certainly swinging the bat well. But he still had a better than average 98 plate appearances and was worth a .2 war in, in very abbreviated playing time. But it could have been more. He, he could have given the Orioles more if he had the chance, and he just didn't get that chance this season. Now, did he make the most of some of his chances he had? Of course he did. You know, I mentioned the four plate appearances against lefties. We laughed because Kyle Stowers may have been the most online Orioles player because despite everybody yelling for him to get chances against lefties and talking about his good stats against lefties in AAA, he only got those four plate appearances, but when he did, he reached base in three of the four plate appearances. He was hit by a pitch twice, and he homered off a lefty in Boston at the end of the year, which was just hilarious. Homering off of Matt Strom when he basically hadn't faced a lefty again up to that point. Brandon Hyde lets him do it, and he goes deep. It was, it was a very funny moment of this season. And then he had, I would say, one of the top five most memorable moments of the year for the Orioles was Kyle Stowers. You go back to August 25th, it'd been you know less than a week since he had been called up to the big leagues for good this time. And he comes up to the plate, you know, the Orioles trailing three to two in a game against the White Sox that they were leading for most of the way. It was a huge game, you know, game three of a three-game set. You know, the Orioles were trying to win the series. It was tied at one. They were trying to stay in the wild card race. A White Sox team that was kind of clinging barely to a wild card chance, but a team you felt like you needed to beat. They had lost the lead. Liam Hendricks, one of the best closers in baseball, gets the first two outs. You have the rookie Kyle Stowers come up there with no homers yet in the big leagues. You're just thinking, can you get on base somehow? And then he skies the ball down the left field line, and you're thinking this game is easily over. And then the left fielder drops it in foul territory. Stowers stays alive. He's still behind 0-2. And then he hits just the second 0-2 home run ever allowed by Liam Hendricks on a hanging breaking ball, the solo shot in the right center field ties the game at three. The Orioles would go on to walk it off in the 11th inning to win that series. And that moment of Kyle Stowers racing around the bases was one of the most memorable moments of the year for the Orioles. And it would have been nice to see him play more, and maybe he gets more of those moments. But I still liked what I saw 
this year from Kyle Stowers. I mean, you look at what he did overall. He hit the fastball well. He hit 275 with a 412 slugging against the fastball. And then guys started throwing him more breaking balls, and he looked human. He hit just 172 against breaking balls. Now, when he did connect, he still didn't have a 448 slugging. Not bad. But he had a 43% whiff rate on breaking balls, which meant he was swinging and missing at almost half the breaking balls, either curveballs or sliders, that he swung at in the big leagues this year. That's a number you got to get way further down than that. And that's one of the reasons why his strikeout rates in the minors were so high. He struggled against breaking balls. And it wasn't just against, you know, left-on-left sliders. It was also against righties, you know, throwing that back foot curveball. He really struggled swinging at that pitch and, and making contact with that pitch as well. So there's a whole lot to work on. But in terms of the positives moving forward, you know, he got the debut out of there. He got some time to be an everyday player late in the season. He had that amazing clutch moment already. It's nice to be able to fall back on that when you're in that situation in the ninth inning the next time. He had some good peripherals. I mean, he had a 50% hard hit rate. He had a solid launch angle. 91.1 miles per hour was his average exit velocity, which is a really good number. Puts him in the top tier of Major League Baseball, of course, in a small sample size. And when you look at kind of his heat map and his hot zones of where he hit the ball well, he covered the outside part of the plate extremely well for a 24-year-old rookie. I mean, he would take the ball the other way. He had that good-looking opposite field home run late in the year at Camden Yards into the bullpen, which was probably the most impressive at-bat he had all season besides the ninth-inning homer against Chicago. And listen, you know, he had some of his best numbers on pitches on the outer third of the plate. He played some solid defense. You know, you can't really rely on the advanced defensive numbers when you don't play that much, but about an average outfielder it looked like overall in his his maybe above average in a shortened time. I do know his arm is it rates well above his overall defense. So that's always good to have. And we can see him play left or right field. And there's still a question. Maybe he could play some center field, but he's generally going to be a corner outfielder for the Orioles and could be a DH as well. But the question moving forward is, you know, can Stowers take this next step going into next year? Can he be an everyday outfielder for the Orioles? I think, you know, there's always the chance that if the Orioles are going after top-tier starting pitching, they could trade one of Cedric Mullins or Anthony Santander, who, if they're not traded, would be easily slotted into the Orioles' outfield on opening day next year. But let's say they stick around, because I hope they do. There's really only one outfield spot left. Now the DH spot is kind of open as well, so Stowers has that flexibility. But Austin Hayes, we'll see if he's still in the mix. You obviously have Ryan McKenna, who we're going to talk about. And while Colton Kowser is not going to be big league ready on opening day, he's going to be knocking on the door at some point if he's still in the organization. And the other thing is, you know, the Orioles are going to add an outfielder in free agency, I think. Now, I'm not sure what caliber that's going to be. We'll talk about that a little later in the episode. But they're going to add an outfielder to put in that mix. And now maybe they add one because, you know, they trade away Austin Hayes in a different deal. That's certainly something to think about. But... If it came down to, you know, Stowers versus Hayes for left field next year, I'd rather have Hayes defensively, but I'd rather have Stowers offensively at this point just because it was hard to watch Hayes. And I do think the Orioles will bring in a better option. But could Kyle Stowers be a kind of versatile bench bat where some days he's playing right field, some days he's playing left field, some days he's DHing, some days he's coming off the bench to pinch hit? I think that could be a help to this Orioles team. Is he ready to play 150 games? I don't know if he is. Hopefully he shows us that. But I think he's still a valuable piece for this Orioles team. I think he's certainly got the upper hand to, at the very least, have an opening day roster spot. I think there's questions beyond that of what his role is. 
Can he be an everyday player? Maybe not. Depends on who the Orioles would bring in. But I think it was a good start to his big league career for Kyle Stowers. But we do want to talk about one other outfielder coming up on today's episode. A guy who did play a little bit more than Stowers this year and now has two big league seasons under his belt, but is maybe trending in the wrong direction in terms of his future with the Orioles. We will talk about Ryan McKenna and his 2022 season coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. And if you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up because right now, Locked On Orioles listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. And here's why we love it. Here's why we love Simply Safe. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. In Simply Safe, it is the whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, and HD security cameras for inside and out. And it costs less than a dollar a day. And with the top-rated Simply Safe app, things are made so much easier. You stay in complete control of your system anytime anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust the system settings right from your phone. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. This is their biggest discount of the year. So don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So we broke down the season for Kyle Stowers and what role he could be in next year. But there's another outfielder who is kind of in a similar spot to Stowers. Not exactly in status in the organization, but just in, he's played some, not as an everyday player, but what does it look like next year? And that guy is Ryan McKenna, who surprisingly is only about a year older than Kyle Stowers. Stowers turns 25 in January. Ryan McKenna turns 26 in February. Now, it feels like he's been around a lot longer, and he has, because McKenna was a draft pick out of high school. But he did see his playing time decrease this year from last year when he made his Major League debut in 2021. He had 197 plate appearances with the Orioles last year, just 172 plate appearances with the O's this year. And McKenna did make the opening day roster as the fourth outfielder. He was briefly optioned to AAA on May 2nd, came back up on May 14th, and then spent the rest of the year on this Orioles roster. So it was basically with the team for the entirety of this magical 2022 season. But the issue kind of became, he wasn't anything close to an everyday player. And despite being in the clubhouse almost every day for the Orioles throughout the season, there was never even really a full stretch where McKenna was playing a lot. I mean... The Orioles offense, and especially the Orioles outfield, generally stayed healthy this year. You know, Mullins and Santander and Hayes were out there almost every day and really didn't have many, if any, injured list stints this year. So McKenna played in 105 games because he was valuable as a defensive replacement or a pinch runner, and he played, you know, in the ninth inning a lot of times. But he only had 172 plate appearances, hit 237. With a 294 on base and a 340 slugging, good for just an 80 WRC plus, which makes him 20% worse than the league average hitter this year. He had just two home runs on the year, drove in just 11 runs, only stole two bases despite the speed that he brings and 
had a 32% strikeout rate to just a 6% walk rate. The swing and miss is bad, and the batter's eye got worse this year. Now, the offense in general was better. I mean, he hit only 183 with a 59 WRC plus in 2021. So all of his offensive stats, except for the walk rate, did increase in his 2022 season. But it still was not good enough to make me think Ryan McKenna is going to be an everyday player. And at one point, McKenna was a top 10 Orioles prospect. He seemed to have all the tools that they needed, the speed, the defense. You know, he could hit for power. And he's been a dominant AAA hitter in his career. I mean, even when he played those eight games in AAA this year, he had, you know, a 545 slugging percentage and still hit three home runs. And in 2021, you know, he hit 307. He had a 187 WRC plus in AAA last season. He's clearly too good for AAA. But he's kind of that 4A tweener where he's not good enough to be an everyday regular in Major League Baseball. So he's kind of your typical, not even fourth outfielder, really your fifth outfielder. Your guy who pinch runs, he plays defense, and he starts a little bit when you can get him in there. Now, he's still in the 94th percentile in sprint speed. He's going to give you a lot of speed on the base pass. Great pinch runner for the Orioles this year. He's got a great arm in the outfield. He plays all three outfield positions plus plus and had three defensive runs saved, three outs above average in the outfield this season. He's a great defender at all three places and became a really reliable defensive replacement. I mean, that's why he played 105 games because Anthony Santander's defense took a step back again this year, but he played a lot of right field. So when the Orioles were winning in close games, you would generally see McKenna trot out there and play defense in the ninth inning to just secure the D a little bit more when the Orioles were trying to put together one of their 83 wins on the season. You don't really have to worry about all that stuff, the speed, the defense. McKenna's got that locked down in the bag. The offense is where it's concerning, and you really have to take a look at what his future is going to be. Because again, just had the 80 WRC plus this year, but there was a stretch where he was actually a lefty masher. And if you look at what he did against left-handed pitching this year, 69 plate appearances, he hit 270. Both of his homers were against lefties. He had a 794 OPS and a 127 WRC plus against lefties. That's kind of close to lefty masher status. But you, when you really break down the season, it was two good months. And that's what his season was. Offensively, in July and August, he was really good at the plate. He helped the O's. He kind of filled in a little bit more, played a little bit more, and that's when the Orioles played their best baseball this year was July and August, and McKenna was a part of that. And in July and August, specifically against lefties, he was 10 for 26, hitting 385. That was when both the homers came. He had four doubles. Just two great months. Outside of those months, not good. He was 3 for 17 against lefties in September and October, and... In April, May, and June, he had a combined just 68 WRC plus against left-handed pitching. So he got this kind of lefty masher mantra, and he had that role in July, in August, of when the Orioles are facing a left-handed starter. McKenna was in the lineup pretty much every time. And a lot of the times, it became a replacement for Cedric Mullins, because Mullins, as we've talked about, really struggled against left-handed pitching this year. McKenna was better, so they would start McKenna in center field. And then whenever the starter would come out, maybe a righty reliever would come in. Generally, Mullins would come into the game and replace McKenna and would play the rest of the game in center field. And McKenna got some good chances with that. But if it wasn't July or August, he really didn't produce in those spots anyway. And again, the high strikeout rate we talked about, 32%. That is not playable at the big league level if you're not contributing a whole lot of power, which, of course, Ryan McKenna is not at all contributing a whole lot of power. And you look at what he did against righties this year. I mean, it's not like he was, oh, good against lefties. 
okay against righties. No, he is horrendous against right-handed pitching. In 103 plate appearances against righties this year, Ryan McKenna had just a 215 average, just a 525 OPS, and just a 48 WRC plus against right-handed pitching this year. You don't want him to face a right-hander whatsoever. And so, yeah, he had, I would say, one big moment as a hitter this year, the home run he hit in that wild back-and-forth game against the Rangers at Camden Yards in the eighth inning that gave the O's the lead. Had some cool moments on the base pass this year, scored a lot of important runs late in games as a pinch runner, made some nice plays defensively as he's known to do. But as this outfield gets better and becomes a deeper and deeper position group on this Orioles roster, Ryan McKenna, I think, is in danger heading into next year. Because I could certainly see him having the fifth outfielder role, maybe being one of the last guys to make the opening day roster and still being that pinch running Defensive replacement, starting against some lefties role to start the year. But that may not last long with Colton Cowser knocking on the door. But if the Orioles add to the outfield in free agency, which I think they might do, McKenna might be in real trouble for that roster spot next spring training. And coming up next to finish off the pod, we'll look at what the outfield could look like in total. What moves the O's could make and what could really squeeze McKenna out of that spot. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis here in the month of November. Because we got everything going on. Final week of regular season, college football. We got the NFL still going on. College basketball, it's feast week. You got the NHL. You got the NBA. And you've got the World Cup. And they've got the lines and the odds on every single game at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, I hope you do. If you're listening to this one, you can find those as well at BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. They've got all the games, every sport you can think of. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. So Kyle Stowers and Ryan McKenna each played a, we'll say, part-time role with the Orioles this season. But as we look into next year, what will their roles be? And as we take a look at what the Oriole outfield could be in 2023, There's still a lot of question marks because the O's haven't really made any moves here. You know, we're day before Thanksgiving. Not a lot has been happening, but questions will be answered. Now, one question was, would the Orioles tender a contract to all three of their outfielders? And they did at the non-tender deadline on Friday. They tendered a contract to Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Anthony Santander. Now, Hayes was the question mark because he had by far the worst season of the three, but was still worth bringing back for about $3 million for next season. But... That doesn't necessarily mean that all three of those guys are going to be with the Orioles next year. I think in Hayes' case, there's a chance he's maybe an add-on in a trade. The Orioles just feel like he needs a a reset, maybe never going to have that big-time consistency for an entire season. The production we saw in the first half this year is never going to be a full season. Maybe they feel that, maybe they don't. Maybe to swing a big trade for a big-time starting pitcher, they have to move Anthony Santander or have to move Cedric Mullins this offseason. That's certainly possible. But if you look at how the current outfield group is constructed, with Hayes in left and Mullins in center and Santander in right, and you got Kyle Stowers kind of as your floater, some left field, some right field, some DH. Ryan McKenna, yeah, if the season started right now, I think would be on the roster as the fifth outfielder, the pinch runner, the defensive replacement. But I think the Orioles are going to sign a free agent outfielder. Now, I would have loved Jock Peterson. He obviously accepted the qualifying offer and is going back to the Giants. 
But a player like an A.J. Pollock, maybe, to hit some lefties. We know we've heard talk about the Orioles looking at left-handed hitters specifically in the outfield. Maybe a Michael Conforto. Maybe if they spend a little more, potentially a Michael Brantley comes into Baltimore. These guys are certainly options for the Orioles. And they're going to move above McKenna, certainly, in the pecking order. And it would even scramble things for Stowers and Hayes as well, if they're still on the roster at that point. So if I had to guess with Stowers and McKenna, are they on the Orioles opening day roster? I would say yes for Kyle Stowers. And I would say no for Ryan McKenna. He's a nice piece to have defense and and pinch running and to hit some lefties maybe sometimes. But he's just not nearly consistent enough. And you can just get more from that roster spot if you trust that, you know, between Hayes and Stowers. And we know Taron Vavra can play the outfield. And with Colton Kowser, you know, making his way up towards the big leagues, they can fill in that role. And it's not as important to have that defensive replacement there as Ryan McKenna. You know, you can even stick Jorge Mateo out there in the outfield. He's done it before. He could do it again, potentially. So I think when it's all said and done, McKenna's going to have a shot if he's still in the organization. He's going to have a real shot to make the team out of spring training. But especially if the O's bring in that free agent outfielder, kind of, you know, corner outfield slash DH left-handed bat, which I think they should certainly go after, it's going to put McKenna in a really, really tough position moving into 2023. And maybe even Stowers. He's going to have to work even harder to secure that spot. But I think he's definitely well above McKenna in terms of roster standing right now. And Ryan McKenna could be in some trouble. But that's something we'll find out as these rosters become more and more clear throughout the offseason as moves hopefully start to be made. But I wouldn't expect a move to be made over Thanksgiving. Generally, it's a very quiet period Thanksgiving weekend for MLB transaction. It's going to be a little quiet here on the podcast as well. No episode coming up tomorrow. Hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving, however you celebrate. And then I'll be back with you here on Friday with the podcast, another free agent Friday episode, taking a look at some guys who are available out there in free agency at a certain position who the Orioles could look to sign this offseason. But again, off tomorrow for Thanksgiving, back with the pod on Friday to finish out the week. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.